Hello, I'm Holly, the funnier one in theme park films. Both me and Carla have secured a deal with the fantastic studio to offer you a discount on their headphones and earphones. Perfect for a long journey to Orlando whilst you're listening to our podcast. Head to studio.com and use promo code ThemeParkFilms to get yourself a whole 15% off. Now, on with the show. Hello, thank you for choosing to listen to Theme Park Films Podcast. We are Carla and Holly, two friends from England, who will ride the movies, watch the film and give you our thoughts. You can find us on at Theme Park Films on Twitter. Oh, and just one more thing. If you are driving whilst listening to this podcast, please keep your arms inside the vehicle for the duration of the show. Thank you. And welcome to Theme Park Films. I'm Carla, and as everyone joined by Holly. Hello. And this week we are discussing The Truman Show, which was released on the 1st of June 1998 in the USA and the 9th of October 1998 in the UK. But before we get on to that, as always, we're just going to briefly talk about where it features in a theme park, as that is a criteria for being on this show. So it's only a very small part of a theme park. This is this is a bit of a flimsy one. But it is featured on the studio tour for Universal Studios in Hollywood. And you see the pool at the end where he tries to get out and he crashes into the wall. We're running low on the fields. We need to spread it out. So we do need to, to just pepper it every now and then with, with very flimsy references. We'll be, we'll be branching out going to sort of like, you know, Japan or somewhere. and like To like a, a carnival we saw going down the road. Yeah. That had someone dressed up as Winnie the Pooh on the back. Oh, I once saw a pen of this in the shop. <laughs> so we can do this in the gift shop of the hotel but it still counts it was in Orlando yeah and that day I was going to Disney so you know we can do it when I was in Gatwick I saw a poster for this film as I was flying to Florida anyway um yeah so it is in there and also that I don't know what you call it it is a pool but like for the purposes of the film I guess it was supposed to be more of the ocean wasn't it but it was also used in uh, a few other films. It was used in Jaws, which we've already done. Also, a film which we will be doing at some point, Pirates of the Caribbean, oh. was used for this film there. And you're like this one, being, you know, all hip-hop. TLC's Waterfalls was filmed there. Oh, that's cool. Now, The Truman Show is one of my favourite films now, I know I say this about practically every film we do, but like, I've got a poster of it on my wall, which I'm looking at now. It makes me smile. And I have seen it. I must have seen it at least once a year ever since it was released. It's just one of those go-to films that I could watch over and over again. So 
was this your first time seeing it or now I've definitely seen it before but you know I can't remember when but I've seen it you know like a few times I think but I do think this is such a good film brilliant film and I think the key to this film is the year it came out which was before reality tv hit yeah which is incredible it it literally predicted the future because now it's not that mad of an idea that actually a tv company would do this no it's not I mean obviously we've had things like Big Brother which is like watching people the whole time but these days you know most tv is reality yeah like you know Love Island and things like that like the biggest Mm -hmm. shows like you know the Real Housewives I mean it's all I watch well I must say since uh because I missed the boat on Love Island and um I regretted it because everyone was talking about it. I couldn't join in, but they've put it on Netflix and I watched the first series of Love Island in three days, which can't be healthy. (laughs) Oh my God. Like it wasn't last, it was the year before um, Amy came back over from Australia and we were like, we were probably about, I don't know, two, three weeks behind Love Island. And then I said, oh, there's Love Island. Should we watch it? I mean, literally we didn't go out for four days. Yeah. Like, I totally get I was it. Like, we were like, should we go for dinner? Should we go for drink? No. You know, I was like, you know, you've just come over from Australia. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to go and like, see people do stuff? No, we'll just stay in and watch Love Island. And we were literally like, yeah. you know, when it's like one in the morning and we're like, just one more. Absolutely. That's what, that, you know what? You know, before I came on air, I said how tired <laughs> I am. That's because last night I managed to watch the first five episodes of series two in an evening when I had to be up at six. So what happens? That is what happens. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite trying to quickly get through series two so that I'm, you know, and I'm ready for the yeah. new series when it comes on. Cause it's like, what, 19 days time according yeah. to Twitter. And I bet you're probably going to try and quickly get through this so you can go back and watch some more. Yeah. I'm, I'm annoyed. I've had to stop. Should we just stop it now so you can go? I am a bit tempted. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Now, obviously, you know, I think most people frown upon reality TV. Mm. Not highbrow enough, is it? No. And, I, you know, it annoys me a little bit that people do look down on it because I, I know it's not clever television, but if it's enjoyable. I agree. And for me, there's some programs, so Real Housewives, especially when the weather's really bad here, all I want to see is a backdrop of sun beaches lovely clothes lovely houses and just you know that mm. they're the biggest drama in their life is that you know someone called them a like I, I that's all I want I don't want to be watching like of this so-called drama where people you know literally leave their front door and they've had about 25 accidents happen to them I don't want to see that oh no I just think life is pretty grim so if I can spend my time filling it with nonsense like Jersey Shore or Geordie Shore in the UK, then I will. Yeah. But that, obviously, that's not, you know, we're probably not, that's not the message of this film. It's obviously bad. Exactly. And it starts off with Christoph talking about the show. So it's just like him chatting about the concept of the show, etc. We see um, Meryl 
who is Truman's wife. We see her, like her real life person being interviewed. I really recognise her. You recognise her from Love Actually, don't you? Yeah. She's, I, I love Laura Linney. She's one of my favourite actresses. She's great. She was fantastic in Primal Fear. She's just such a good actress. She is. So she's saying that what she has is a noble life and a blessed life. So, you know, she's, I mean, she's a sinister, sinister character, isn't she? She's really weird. Do they get holidays? Well, I guess so. And I think um, they've obviously made her out to be a nurse so that she can disappear for two or three days at a time and say she's on shift work, I would imagine. Yeah, because there was one point where his friend said something like, oh, I remember when I got pneumonia and then Truman went, oh, yeah, you're off school for a month, weren't you? So, yeah, I guess that they write them out in various different ways for holiday or illness or work, whatever. And we we then see the best mate, Marlon, and he says that nothing on the show is is fake. It's just controlled. Like the beginning of Tower, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'll get on to Marlon. I I actually think he might be the only one that's excusable in all of it. Because he was a child. Yeah, yeah. well, I'll talk about it later. But, you know, I think he was made out to be a real baddie when actually it's quite clear he's been in this since he was about seven himself. So, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a grey area, just how tortured was he as well. But we see Truman going about his day and a studio light smashes on the pavement near him which has obviously fallen from the imaginary sky above him. I sort of think you've got one job, which is to look after True. You know, he's the star. Look after Truman and make sure he doesn't know what's going on. There was a lot of mistakes, I felt, throughout this whole film. Like, if I, if I was the production manager or something, I'd, I'd be firing people. That's all I have to say. No, and I, you know what? I agree with you. So he, you see him buying fashion magazines, and it looks like he's trying to make up a face from other faces so he's trying to recreate someone oh that was weird i i you know what i found it a little bit creepy because he doesn't know he's trapped in a world at this point so you know we're giving him all this sympathy but he doesn't know he's trapped so what he's actually doing is trying to recreate the face of someone he met like i don't know 15 20 years ago that's a little bit weird and also it's like yes obviously you had this moment get over it <laughs> it wasn't it's not like they had an, a, a massive love affair or, or anything i mean they literally had what about two three hours together yeah i i mean i can't remember someone i spent two or three hours with when i was 15 no this is going to be awkward for the person sat at home listening to this while cutting bits of magazine out <laughs> to make it look like you my face is now going in the shredder they're furious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really like it though when throughout this when he when they keep like pushing him into advertising yeah (laughs) and that's where Laura Linney is fantastic in it because she really does deliver the lines in such a comical way but then what I find weird if you were from from really really young someone just spoke to you and was like oh um Carla don't be upset why don't you just get yourself a nice hot chocolate with this this and this if I if me and you grew up together and I did that to you all the time why would you get to a point where you go why do you keep doing that that's so weird like it just would be your norm wouldn't it 
Well, yeah, and that's kind of, you know, I was going to mention that later, but I don't know why he's suspecting, really, because all the way through it, he's like, he knows about the world. Well, why didn't they just not teach him geography? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, he wants to go to these places. Why did they? Why did? Why did they even let him know other countries existed? Why? Why did they tell him that aeroplanes existed? You know, they must be able to control what television he watches. Everything. But yeah. Again, I, I've got this down for later. We might as well discuss it now. That they've given him this fear of water. Well, instead of giving him a fear of water, why don't you just, you know, not ever let him see a boat? Yeah. Don't let him know they exist. You, you can control his life, for God's sake. Why are you bothering to give him a fear? Just don't let him know that transport even exists. Tell him you have to walk everywhere. Look like quite a small place. I think a bike could have done. Yeah, just let him live in this little idyllic world with, you know, controlled television or whatever, where he wouldn't know, like you said, if she was advertising, he wouldn't pick up that other, other people don't speak like that. Yeah. You know, if he went to go and get a burger from the cafe, they probably would be like, oh, why don't you try this new soda, blah, blah, blah. So he just would be like, that's how everybody talks. Yeah, you wouldn't know any different. So I do wonder kind of why he he was cottoning onto it, other than this one person told him something once. Why would he believe her? And he didn't act on that straight away. And I know it said, well, his mum got ill. But, you know, he didn't then, after his mum got better, act on it. So why now? Why, however, 10 years on, do you decide, actually, I'll pick that up and start thinking about it? At least 10 years on. He looks a good 30-odd, doesn't he, in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he is. Well, it's the 30th anniversary, isn't it? So, yeah, 30. Yeah. And he was, what, 15, 16 when he met her or whatever. Yeah. Yeah long time after so anyway yeah he's he's rings up the operator trying to locate sylvia he's sent on a job that requires the ferry why why did they do that then yeah i'm not really sure why they did that was it just to reinforce his fear of water like i think were they gonna Hmm. tip the ferry up or something while he was on it i don't know you see meryl advertising as you said whilst talking marlon does the same and talks Truman out of going to Fiji. And this is why I said, uh, I just wrote, why did they teach him about life? Yeah, because you just would be like, oh, if you want to get, to, oh, I know someone once, John went to this country, it took him 20 days to get there. And then when he got there, he got mugged and, you know, lost all his money, nearly died. And now we won't ever leave the town. And I'd have one character sat in the corner just shaking. <laughs> They didn't use their extras wisely enough. No, they didn't. It was like she went to Fiji and look at the state of her. <laughs> yeah. Well, they scared him with the, with the aeroplane, weren't they? In the travel agents, it said that there were, you know, there were lots of posters up in the travel agents about dangerous flying and things. But don't even let in no aeroplanes exist, I would say. And then that nips that right in the bud. We see we see him remembering his dad drowning, so obviously that's that's their idea to stop him wanting to travel. They they killed his dad off in a drowning accident to give him a fear of water, and he notices at this point another malfunctioning thing that the rain is following him, so it's only falling on him and nothing around him. Merrill tells him that she thought they were trying for a baby, 
So again, just how sinister this woman is, because presumably her baby would then become part of the show. She's willing to give up her own child to the same lifestyle that, that Truman's had. I mean, she was a very sick individual, wasn't she? She's the sort of person like she'd look the sweetest person, but she'd kill you. She was more twisted than Christoph was. So then we see the viewer, uh, a viewer talking, saying they always cut off at private scenes. Probably like in, in Big Brother, where it just like goes to like birds twittering. The next day, he sees his dad in the street and security bundle him off. This really annoyed me. How did he get in? Yeah, I mean, security must be insane. I mean, presumably, I don't know whether he still had like a security pass that he used to get in. Uh, he never gave back or something. But yeah, I mean, this has got to be one of the most closed sets on history. So how he managed to get his way back in. He was playing a tramp, wasn't he? So I guess he got his way in being an extra. Just so weird. And it was obviously just the actor wanted to come back into it. He tells his mum and she fobs him off. She says she doesn't blame him for his dad's death. So obviously insinuating that she does because she's put that idea in his head that he was to blame for it. Yeah. Another twisted character. Meryl talks to him again with more advertising. And then we see him holding a cardigan and it flashes back to him in college and we see that he's uh, meeting Meryl, but he's not hes not really interested in her, is he? Kind of, she's obviously been put there to entice him, but he's kind of ignoring her and he's focusing on a girl called Sylvia. But that was weird that he was sat downstairs in his house in a weird little bed. Why did he have that? <laughs> I don't know, was it like a man cave or something? I mean, I don't really know. It was just a bit strange, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm not really sure why he had a, a little bedroom in the basement. And the bed looked tiny as well. Mm, really small. We see that Sylvia tries to, to tell him that this whole thing is, you know, a TV. She doesn't really say it. But I could say it really succinctly to him and I could say, right, you're in a TV show. You've been in it since birth. You don't know what's going on. But... She goes, it's all fake, it's all fake. And she's like picking up sand. She's like, this is for you. And it's like, why are you talking to him poetically? You know, you could say it in two or three sentences really quickly. Yeah. So she did a poor job. She did a, an awful job. But again, just very odd. He managed to get away for so long. Mm. One job here, people, which is to watch him. They made a man that said he was a dad come out and say that she was, you know, unhinged. And to be fair, she was acting unhinged because what she was saying wasn't making any sense and we knew what was going on. Exactly. And also, what what's the rules then of children actors? Mm, I know. Well, that's what I was thinking. And, and it goes back to, you know, because obviously you do see children and I think there's a bus scene where a little girl looks at him and goes, it's Truman or something, yeah. and, and the mum has to tell her. But on the whole, I don't know... Do you think maybe if the children are really young, they don't get told? If they're not of television age. But I think this thing is supposed to be like just in, you know, like national culture, isn't mm. it? It's supposed to be massive, the Truman Show. So is there anyone that wouldn't know what it was? It's supposed to stream like 24-7. True. 
not altogether sure, but I presume the kids he went to school with didn't know they were in a TV show. Um, you know, it's not very clear. Well, yeah, that's what yeah, that's what I was thinking. Until obviously they were older when it comes to his best friend who remained in it. So he makes Sylvia's face from magazine cuttings. Weird. Yeah, and we cut to her watching him on the telly. Funny she was watching at that precise moment when it's 24-7. Yeah. It's quite a coincidence, isn't it? Especially when she doesn't agree with the show. She's so against the show. Yeah, why is she, why is she so obsessed with watching it? The, uh, the badge that she had on saying, where will it all end? I was working uh, in a cinema when this was released and we all had to walk around with those badges on. Did you? Yeah, but no one knew kind of what they were. Because unless you've seen the film, and even then... It's not a pinnacle moment. No, you have to have watched it quite closely. But I found it uh, last year. I found the badge. So I still have it. I wonder if it's worth money. <laughs> I mean, unlikely, because you could probably just get it made. Oh, in these days, you probably could, couldn't you? Sorry. We then see the car radio. Again, something else that's going wrong. It picks up the signal of the studio that's monitoring him so he can hear, you know, what's going to happen. And he starts walking in front of traffic. You know, poor experiment to start with. You know, I might have tried with a more lighthearted experiment than that one. But he tries to knock someone off a, a ladder and... No, but he tries to go into the lift first. No, back to the lift. And I just thought, again, that's just, it's shoddy. It's shoddy workmanship. Like, why couldn't you have just had it where it's a door or it says private meeting room or something? Or the lift goes to the next floor and then in there you go behind. Like, I just think you need to be a little bit more careful. Anyway, yeah, so he goes into um, a convenience store and finds his friend Marlon filling a vending machine. Yeah. And he kind of fobs him off, doesn't he, and says he's imagining thing. He then follows Meryl to work. Now, obviously, she's supposed to be a nurse. We know she's really just an actress. Now, this was quite funny because he watches through the window. I mean, I'm not sure they allow you to watch operations going on, but but he watches. And but they have to go through with it, don't they, and actually cut someone's leg. Yeah. And the patient that's supposedly asleep shoots up in the air. So, again, suspicious. We then cut to the travel agents. And as I said earlier, there's a poster on the wall that says, Travellers beware, terrorist, disease, wired animals, street gangs. There's another one with lightning striking a plane and says it could happen to you. Again, don't let him know that aeroplanes exist. It's the easiest way to, to get around this. And don't let him know travel agents exist. Simple. But nevertheless, the travel agent comes out and she still has a TV makeup tissue stuck on her. I don't know if you noticed that. And she suddenly realised that's to pull it off. And she says there's no planes to Fiji for a month. Which, to be fair, I thought was could be quite legitimate. I mean, I wouldn't disbelieve that if I went into a travel agent now they could all be booked up in theory couldn't they well especially to get to Fiji you know like 20 years ago so he gets the bus but obviously they can't let the bus start either so they have to pretend the bus is broken and then you you can see that the the driver really does feel bad about this now because he can see that Truman wants to get out and he says sorry son yeah um, he's then at home sitting in his car. Meryl gets in with him. 
and he shows her that there's extras going round him on a rotation. And this is what I don't really understand again. It's like, you know, even the woman in the travelage, and it's like she's getting ready for hair and makeup in the back. Wouldn't you have it all on the outside and then you all come in at different times ready to go? Yeah. What would have been more likely is that he tried to get into the travel agent and it'd be closed because no one ever goes in there. So he locks her in the car and they go on some mad drive. Now, this is where you realise that he is Jim Carrey because this is where he goes into his normal spiel of face pulling and stuff that he's known for. But every exit they try to go down is blocked. So um, there's a forest fire, but he ignores it and drives straight through it. And then he gets to a leak at a nuclear gas plant. And he kind of believes this. And then the worker says his name. He says, you're welcome, Truman. I think you could have really tried to work your way around that. She could have been, his wife could have been like, you know, if he said something, you could have been like, oh, I didn't know Bill working here. You know, and then it could, you could have been a bit like, oh, I, you know, you know, Bill, we met, we went, we've, we saw them like five years ago. You know, you could have been at that and been like, you're losing the plot, Truman. He's a really good friend of yours. You could have even done that, couldn't you? Yeah, definitely. You could convince him of anything. I mean, he's a blank canvas, isn't he? Yeah. So he leaps out the car and runs away. It cuts back to his home and the police have brought him back again. He notices that Meryl is advertising again for the camera. And he grabs her and in a panic, she yells out, do something. Mm. And then in a, in a blink of an eye, he finally he, he realises that he is in some mad universe. Marlon arrives and because obviously they've immediately got him onto set and she runs to him cries and says how can they expect me to carry on under these conditions (laughs) she was just so great i want this character in every film ever not just laura lilly i want laura lilly playing this character in every single film i can only add so truman and marlon are alone And we see Marlon being fed his lines via Christoph in his earpiece and says, you know, they've been friends since he was seven. I don't know how they've explained it to him. Yeah. Because obviously he he knows he's in a show. He's been in it since he was seven. So did they entrust him with this secret at seven? Because obviously he had real parents and presumably different on screen parents. Like, what have they done to him? Arguably, he's more screwed up than Truman. Is he the major celebrity? Opening nightclubs <laughs> and, you know, whatever it is celebrities do. <laughs> celebrity appearances, I would imagine. That's, that's in my mind, what happens, that the minute Truman goes to bed, like his friend's off out and, you know, he leaves this whole other life. He's getting private jets here, there and everywhere. He wears Louis Vuitton head to toe. And then he comes back and pretends to be someone. To fill vending machines. Yeah, it's kind of a, I find him a more interesting character. Yeah, I want to know his life. Where does he live? Who's his friends? You know, apart from this fake Truman. So Sylvia's still watching and she's, she's angry with it all. We see his father return in a very orchestrated way. He kind of like walks up mm. behind them, just out of nowhere, doesn't he? And uh, apparently, Dave Christoph explains that they bought his 
dad back to try and end the crisis of him wanting to leave and they explained that he had amnesia was the way that they put it out there that's a helicopter going past me by the way that's not my stomach in case just in case that's picking up who are they searching for i don't know Christoph's given an interview for the telly and Sylvia rings him and calls him sick. He says that he wants to speak to her and he explains that the real world is a bad place and what Truman has is a safe environment and a happy environment. I mean, I sort of thought obviously it is quite a bad thing what they've done and stuff, but actually I wonder what his life would have been like if he didn't do this. No, I, I thought the same. I mean, I'm not condoning, obviously, that anyone does this in future, but I, I did kind of see his point. He is in an I- idyllic world. You know, like, obviously, his parents, they're not his real parents. It is all for show. But, you know, obviously, that, that love would still be there, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, you would think so. And he didn't have real parents. You know, they said, well, he did, but he was put up for adoption. So a couple of days pass, and one night they notice that that he's missing. They think he's asleep and then they realise that actually he's not. He's sort of set up a dummy or something. I mean, how he managed to do that when they were watching him 24 hours a day. Really lucky that he managed to do it and hide from the cameras because the likelihood is he could have been doing this and they'd have just been sat watching him because he would have thought a camera was somewhere else, whereas actually he missed one. The thing is, even if the guys, I know that they show the guys were quite sloppy um, in the, the control centre, uh, so even if they missed it, surely a viewer, and you know a viewer would call up the studio, there'd be someone sitting there watching it and they'd be like, do you know that Truman's trying to escape? Yeah. It's on 24 hours a day. None of the extras would like realised. Why does he now manage to spot or know every camera, which is, the, you know, they say like they use cameras which are tiny. How can he spot them all, know where they all are? Uh, yeah, I did find it a little unbelievable that he could possibly escape. But anyway. And he sort of dug some sort of weird hole and we didn't see any of that. So a search party's sent out and they go against everything and make the sun come up early even though it's supposed to be night time in their world. Carla I was thinking something as well actually when we obviously know that this is a completely fake world and we see it that this massive dome don't we would he not get really Mm. severely ill he's never seen daylight. You think he'd be a bit pastier? I think he'd probably be lacking in some real vitamins. Maybe they were putting stuff in his food or something. I thought that was weird and I thought he needs to be really careful about going out behind this dome because, you know, even the common cold now could probably kill him. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So the cameras find him sailing off and he's looking at his creepy reconstructed photo of Sylvia. Now, we have to remember this was the middle of the night for for the rest of the country, for America. Why is she watching it in the middle of the night? Well, yeah. She's not a fan of this show. She disagrees with it. She happens to be watching it in the middle of the night. And also, Carla, I've got another point to make. When he gets on this boat, what I respect is that obviously he knows now he's on TV. Um, and he goes, you know what? I'm going to probably make sure I'm dressed for this occasion. I'm getting on a boat. The hat. I understand might have come with the boat, but I'll put the hat on and I'll wear a nice crew, you know, a cable knit navy jumper. Really didn't go with the whole vibe of this boat. Just because what he knew this was going to be his last scene, did he? 
<laughs> he looked natty, that's for sure. So they nearly kill him off by, you know, chucking a storm at him. The, the crew tried to stop Kristoff, saying you can't let him die in front of a live audience. And he replies he was born in front of a live audience. It's a fair point. He owns him, technically. <laughs> well, he survives. Yeah, he does well. I mean, those waves, I mean, they were outrageous. But then, of course, he hits the, the set wall and realises that actually there's, you know, this is the end now. There, there isn't a, a sea in front of him. There's just a wall. And that's when Kristoff comes on the mic and tries to talk him out of leaving. We see him turn to the camera, or where he presumes his camera. Again, lucky, because it could have completely backfired and he'd be the wrong way round and someone have to say, oh, Truman, just, just turn around again. Camera's not where you think it is. Bit awkward. Wouldn't be the parting shot. So he says the infamous, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I like that he gave himself a catchphrase before he knew he was on television. And I'm going to start to do that in my life now, just in case. (laughs) I thought the ending of this film was really, really good. So Sylvia runs off to meet him. We see, I thought this was odd because the people in the Truman Bar are celebrating. But they're the reason he's stuck there. Like, do they just, do they realise that the show's over now? Like, like they've just lost their jobs. All of those people lost their jobs because there won't be anything to screen. You know, this is dire consequences for the Truman Bar. And I really liked when the two, were they policemen? Who were like, oh, what, what else is on? And that just is so sort of true of what it's what reality tv is like isn't it you know like for example love island we're all invested we love them they leave no one cares god i mean it was like when uh when, when we got really into coach trip and we yeah. were like you know obsessed with the people on it now i don't even think i could tell you half of their names so i mean yeah as we as we said this was this kind of predated reality tv i mean big brother didn't start till 2000 this was 1998 i was trying to think of what was around then i think the real world on mtv had already come out so i think you got stuff like that which was kind of semi-reality tv but it certainly wasn't 24-hour reality tv anyway you enjoyed the film yeah i thought it was very good good we've had a lot of shout out to this nearly as many as Raiders of the Lost Ark in fact I think it might have gone into slightly more if that's possible gosh get yourself nice and comfy yeah. and I'll wake you up when I'm finished see you in a bit <laughs> <laughs> only joking she listens to it all on Twitter we've got at bygones podcast which is a podcast all about Ali McBeal so they rewatch episodes right from the beginning. They say, so ahead of its time, released just as reality TV was about to take off. And at the time, we all thought, oh, what a hilarious concept, the blurring between real and fake news. Yet now we have Russia using Facebook to control us all. What a brilliant, brilliant movie. God, that got very political. 
We do politics too, folks. At John Dredge, who is part of the wonderful podcast that is Dredgeland, who are playing Brighton Fringe, bank holiday weekend. Please go and see them. Says, utter genius. Wendolf Red says, I adore this film. I think Jim's personality matches it perfectly. Do you believe what's happening? Is it funny? Is it tragic? Would you watch a show like this? It's cruel but intriguing. Do people only say what they think you want to hear? Any questions asked there? Podcast Maniac says, I second everything said there. I love this movie and all the questions and emotions it brings up for the viewer. At Rough Giraffe, hey, says... This is a good concept, but I always find Jim Carrey to be a little unnerving when playing comedic, mentally unsound roles that are not caricatures. I get that, but I think he was actually really good in this. And I kind of forget that he's Ace Ventura in it, to be honest. At Big Cat Merv says, I recently spent a week or so paranoid I was in it and looking for cameras. One of the worst weeks of my life. Thankfully, my mental health has improved. But it proves the film's impact. I'm glad you're feeling better. Ah, Daniel, fellow admin of Britpod Scene and host of Fry Gay's Neighbours podcast, says, love this film. What do you imagine happened when Truman went through that door? So I, I, this then turned into a bit of a conversation on Twitter with Daniel. And there's a, I think I've mentioned them here before, there's a fantastic podcast called beyond the box set that pitch sequels to films that never had sequels and i once pitched a sequel to them for the truman show and my idea of what happens next was that after they got out everyone saw the dramatic effect it had on his mental health and everyone turned against meryl and marlon like really bad they had to go into hiding and, you know, everyone was like, you ruined his life. And they were hounded by people. And then you see like a Truman super fan, like one of these real nutters, kidnapped both of them and held them, held them like hostage in a, in a basement. And then Truman walks in, saves them. And they're like, oh, thank you, Truman. Thank you. You know, I hope you forgive us. And he just says, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, and walks out. <laughs> I mean, I think it would be more probably likely that he'd go out, he'd get this, you know, more you know, fame, which he knows about, um, does like, you know, gets all caught up in it, has loads of girls, all of that sort of thing, does interviews and stuff, and then starts to actually become very depressed that people stop caring about him. And spirals out of control and kills himself. Well, yours yours was a slightly darker pitch than mine. But um, Daniel thought, uh, kind of a song on the same lines as you, I think Truman's life became pretty miserable with his newly discovered sudden fame, a life yeah. of drugs, alcohol and unable to cope. He desperately wants to return to his staged fake life. Mm, I agree. We have to go back lost style to find the balance again. And it's all very miserable, he says. No. Not really the happy ending we think it is, is it, folks? Over onto Instagram, we've got 
Lyle 1989. And if you want to hear more from Lyle, well, one, listen to every single shout out in this show. <laughs> but if you actually want to hear Lyle speaking, he appears on our mummy episode. So go and check that out. Um, he says, I love the community he lived in. It reminds me of Celebration in Florida. I'm not sure why he wanted to leave. Fair point. It did look nice. <laughs> it did. You know, I can see his point. At Vicky Bruce Lee, who is my friend. Hello, Vicky. Says, scary as hell idea. That film, it makes you question any disgusting or embarrassing stuff you might do just in case. Now, ever since I found out that she's got this fear about the Truman Show, I've been winding her up quite a lot, telling her I'm watching her. I'm sure when I go to visit her in the hospital, she'll be like, oh, you're a laugh, you're a joker. A. Terry 88, who I believe is your friend, who you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Says, I agree with Vicky. A good film, but has given me an added paranoia. If anything weird happens, I'm like, maybe I'm on a Truman show type thing. So, you know, if you want to wind her up the same way I've been doing Vicky, it's great fun. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe I'll give that a go. At Hellblazer Biz, who is a podcaster, uh, interviews lots of different actors and actresses, very interesting says, I love this film and it's very clever. Besides, it gave me my greeting I do on every show. And on every show, he says, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world right now. Our friends, You Can Rewind It, says, great movie. It makes you wonder sometimes if you are in a show and not real life. It seems this affected a lot of people. I've never been worried that I'm actually in the Carla show. Do you know what I think it is? And I don't mean to be rude. Sorry, Amy. Sorry, everyone else. These people are, are completely self-absorbed. <laughs> You've just literally lost us, our friends. We don't have any, Holly. Come on. At Nerdy Things Pod says, this is when Jim Carrey hit his peak. Silly comedy is out the way. He showed he could be both humorous, endearing in a more serious role. This should have been the start of a tremendous career. But then the spirit of Andy Kaufman took over his body a few years later and all was lost. That was a reference to he did Man on the Moon. I mean, I don't like Jim, like Jim Carrey as an actor, but I, you know, he was good in this. He was really good. It? I, you know, I don't mind him even doing his silly stuff. Like, I don't find him hilarious, but, you know, it's it's fine. Does anyone? Well, when I was younger, I thought Ace Ventura was the funniest thing ever. Uh, I don't know if I'd still find Probably not. I kind of don't want to watch it again because I probably wouldn't find it funny now. But I can still laugh at, like, you know, like some of his sillier stuff. Liar, Liar, I think he's a funny film. And Dumb and Dumber is still one of my favourite films ever made. But, you know, I thought of... Also, Carl, I don't mean to be rude, but I lose the meaning of what your favourite film is. Every time we're doing a podcast, it's your favourite film. <laughs> I, you know what it is? I just, I'm not like an arty-farty art house. Oh, I like interesting films that make me think. I like big, stupid blockbuster <laughs> comedies. And they're normally the ones that we cover on this show. That's all it is, that I like really commercial tat. 
<laughs> if we were doing a proper film podcast, you know, I wouldn't have anything to say. Anyway, we need to get back. We've got one more. So we have the lovely Maven from Go Informed Net, who says, When it first came out, the premise seemed like a far-fetched fantasy. But when I recently saw it again, it struck me how today we live in a constant surveillance that's not much different from Truman's world. Traffic cameras, location tracking on all our devices, ads that follow us around the internet. It hits pretty close to home these days. And it does. So, yeah, agree with that. No, yeah, yeah. Anything you want to add to that? No, I don't think so. Wonderful. Okay, so you can find us on Twitter at Theme Park Films, on Instagram at Theme Park Films Podcast. We're also on Facebook, or you can email us themeparkfilms at hotmail.com. We are the proud creators of Britpod Scene, which is a collective of British podcasts. Please head over to at Britpod Scene on Twitter, where everything we retweet are the shows that we endorse. And we also have a podcast out called Britpod Scene, where each of the admins takes turns in, I don't know, different segments of the show. So you have Tom doing the links, Stacey does the British interviews, I do the American interviews. And poor Daniel has to read the news that I've written, which are usually ridiculous innuendo. So, uh, sorry, Daniel, that I make you read those out, but he's got such a lovely voice. I just think it's like listening to Trevor McDonald read out like a carry-on script or something. Do you know what I mean? It's just just something wonderful about it. He's probably been forced into it. It's like, you know, at work when someone goes, oh, Holly, you have nice handwriting. You can write on the whiteboard. (laughs) No. No, what pressure. You, you know, when you start forgetting to spell, like, basic words, like, hello, like, <laughs> how do I spell it again? Well, this is your problem. You probably get asked to, you know, like, I asked you to do the voiceover for our advertising, you know, because, you know, you've got... And I did nice, it. You, yeah, you've got the nice voice. But, you know, you, you, you're hanging yourself. You've got nice handwriting. You've got a nice voice. Stop it. I've got terrible handwriting and I speak like I'm from Croydon. No one asked me to do anything. I'll go into work tomorrow and I'll start writing with my right hand and I'll be like, all right, everyone, and just sort of put on a bit of an accent. (laughs) See, now we've given away another clue about you. People didn't know you were left-handed. You've just revealed that. (laughs) The information they've got so far is you're called Holly, or are you? Um, You're left-handed. Um, we know you've got a twin and that uh, you've got a friend called Lyle. And you used to have a friend called Amy until you insulted her. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening and we will see you in the next one. Bye. Theme Park Films podcast is part of Britpod Scene, a network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more. Oh.